Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of discussion. Is, is a high-level tested dog an actual finished hunting dog? You know what I mean? And, and you know, you you could throw the dart at the dartboard with this. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those things where, uh, to me, it's it's more along the lines of okay, are we are we testing? testing a dog or, or teaching a dog a skill versus a, a, a task. One thing we all love to do with our dogs is hit the road and go on new adventures. In order for that to happen, we have to be able to safely and efficiently travel with our dogs. Dakota 283 is dedicated to building unparalleled pet protection and tailgate lifestyle products for you and your best friends. Their one-piece roto-molded kennels have many options such as the Hero Series for military-grade crates, T1 low-profile kennels that will fit truck beds with tonneau covers, and their most popular G3 Series that's available in any size you'll need. Dakota not only offers many different sizes and styles of kennels, they also offer products and accessories to help with food and water transport, truck bed storage, and even grooming stations. Have a new puppy and only want to buy one kennel instead of buying multiple ones as they grow? Look at the Forever Kennel Insert Divider that gives you the ability to buy a kennel now and adjust the size inside as needed. No matter what you need to get you on your next adventure with your dog, Dakota has it for you. Check them out now at Dakota283.com. Your new 283 lifestyle is just one click and free shipping away. We get asked all the time what the most important thing to consider is when training and living with a hunting dog, and they're often surprised when they hear us answer with proper nutrition. It's pretty obvious when you think about it, though. It doesn't matter how well the dog is trained if it doesn't have the right fuel. The saying garbage in, garbage out rings true in dog nutrition. Yukonuba's premium performance lineup goes beyond just protein and fat with a number of different formulas designed to fuel your dog's specific activity level while supporting their recovery and optimizing their nutrient delivery. The proof is in the pudding, or lack thereof, when you make the switch to Yukonuba. You'll see immediate results in your dog's energy level and drive. They have a formula for every type of dog from your hardest working dog in the field to your laziest retired dog on the couch. Head on over to YukonubaSportingDog.com to find the right formula for your hunting partner. Make the switch today and let Yukonuba fuel your dog so you can focus on what you and your dog actually love to do, work. All right, Scott Caldwell back again. He's a glutton for punishment here. Scott, how you doing? I'm doing well, brother. I'm doing well. <laughs> 
So, you know, I don't know if you've been listening to the past few weeks, but we kind of changed the format up. So we're just going to jump right on into the, the topic here. Can we have a finished dog? Can we have a finished dog? Yes. Or is a finished dog ever really finished? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> is there is there such thing as a finished dog, in your opinion? I would say, you know, a lot of that boils down to what your definition of a finished dog is. Um, you know, when you when if you go out there and you search around online and you look at a multitude of professional trainers, amateur trainers, kennels, you know, what, what is your definition of a quote unquote finished dog? Yep. So I would almost throw this back to you, Nick, a little bit is what's your definition of a finished dog? And then I'll give you mine. And well, again, like you said, it, it varies for each dog, but at the same time, it varies for each handler and your goals. You know, my, yep. my ideal finished dog is going to look completely different or maybe the same as yours or Harold's or whoever else's. But in my, in my opinion, the thing that I'm after in a finished dog is a dog that, as I've talked about on this podcast before, I'm a generalist. I'm a generalist. Right. I'm an opportunist when it comes to hunting. I don't always hunt the same exact thing or the same exact way. I want competent dogs that I can put on the ground and confidently chase game. Whether that's waterfowl, upland, even tracking a deer, I want to be able to put my dog down and have some level of confidence. I, I, I know that you know they may not be the exact perfect dog or the best dog in that one scenario because I don't right. focus on one, but it's spread out. So my finished dog is that to where it's just like I always have a dog that I can confidently get behind and, and hunt or track with. And... The next question is, have I achieved that? No. Do I realistically see myself achieving that? No, but that's what I'm after. That's what we should right. all be after, right? So for, for me here personally, uh, Scott Caldwell perspective is uh, almost exactly what you said there. And that is that, that I want a dog that I can confidently pull out of the truck or pull out of the box or do whatever. And what, whatever that skill or task that I'm working on will do that to about a 90% level. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say 90 only because there's so many variables out there. You know, there, there's, there's, there's weather, there's temperature, there's humidity, there's a new area versus, you know, one that they're used to or anything along those lines. But I'll add a little caveat on that is it, it's not just for me personally, it's not just the, the, the hunting situation as well. If I can take that dog, that same dog on any given day, okay, and run it through a utility test and pass, I'm not talking about a prize one. I'm not talking about a, you know, uh, uh, a 190 plus prize to, I'm just talking about pass a utility test. To me, that's, that's a finished dog. You know, that's a dog that will perform regardless of situation, regardless of environment, regardless of grounds, regardless of environment, uh, to a level that is acceptable by me 
through a set of standards that have been set forth, not just through the testing, but just me personally, yeah. you know, overall. So, and I, I, I want to note, I want to highlight that you, you just, you said it doesn't have to be a prize one in utility. And I think a lot of people, they get caught up when you, you constantly hear in all these other podcasts or going to a tra- tra- uh, chapter training day or whatever, that if you get a prize three on a utility dog, you, you have a, a great hunting dog. And, uh, right. you know, obviously there's a lot of context that's there, you know, right. it, it's, it depends on how much stock you put in testing as opposed to hunting, because we've all seen the people that have bang up hunting dogs, just fantastic. You would always be willing to throw in your box, but probably couldn't prize in a utility test. Right. I I think you'd be surprised. A lot of dogs that could do, it it depends on the the skill set that those dogs are doing. And when when you're talking about a true, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I, I, I test, in both the the German system and the Navis system, which both systems focus highly on the versatility of the dog. So they're both systems test for for water, for retrieving of retrieval of game, for field work, for um, you know steadiness. By all means, of versatility of the dog. So if you've got somebody that, you know, here's a great example, Stephen Faust, you know, I would be nervous to put my dogs up against his dogs in the grouse woods because his dogs are a grouse and woodcock assassins. They, you know get, what I mean? they get the exposure, uh, yeah, I mean, exponentially but, more than your dogs. Right. But could my dogs go hunt grouse and woodcock competently? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And probably even to a level more than, you know, I would say your average weekend hunter or something like that. So it, it goes to kind of like what you're saying, too, as well as like what's your goals, what what's your definition, individual definition of what a finished dog is. You yeah. know, and, and I think a lot of people need to have that discussion with themselves and with their breeder or their trainer when they have that, you know, OK, what what's your definition of opinion of a finished dog yeah you know what i mean because um at the end of the day you know you you could look at your trainer or you know yourself or somebody like that and say okay yeah i want a finished dog and to that person it's it's a and then you're looking for more like b yeah you know um we talk about this a lot with my force fetch program you know not many people's force fetch program end with a dog doing a 50 yard blind across water. You know, most people's force fetch program ends with them being very happy with that dog doing a land blind at 40, 50 yards or, you know, an extended drive to pile, if you will, you know? So, um, you know, just being honest with yourself and, and what your, what your expectations are, for that, what you're considering a finished dog overall. Yep. Um, I, you know, for, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it's important, you know, obviously it's, it's the honesty piece, but even just, I think a lot of uh, us 
that go to these chapter training days. We, we see a lot of people, and, and we're all guilty of this to a certain extent, to where we're at a NAVDA training day. There is a certain element of you're at a NAVDA day, so we're going to put it in terms of NAVDA testing, right? right. And, and that's the perspective that we have. But you have somebody new coming along that probably has zero interest in duck hunting. You know, their dog is never going to have a duck in their mouth. But, you know, when they come up and they're training and somebody's, you know, giving them the advice and the roadmap, so to speak, for a finished NAVDA dog as opposed to that individual's uh, finished dog. And that's where it's important for the people to be honest with themselves, but also be honest to not waste the other people's time at the chapter and be like, you know, with, yeah, with your training partner, yeah. whoever your training organization is. I mean, you know, NAVDA is a great, I say this a lot and I say this to my puppy owners. I say this to individuals that come here for training, you know, if you just took the NAVDA aims and rule book and looked at, the requirements to pass a dog in the utility test. Okay. How they outline it in that book. That's a great roadmap, honestly, for yeah. a finished dog. You know what I mean? For a finished versatile dog. But then if depending on who you are, like you just said, you know, if, if all I'm going to do is do upland game and work with upland dogs, if you just took the field phase of that, yeah. And looked at that and said, okay, here's my roadmap for what I say is a finished dog. You know, I want a dog that's going to hunt competently, going to show good use of nose. It's going to search independently, is going to be steady through flush wing shot and fall or wherever your level is. You know, that's a great roadmap to get there. And I tell everybody, I was like, look, train to that level at least. Train to that roadmap, train to that, you know, what it says, hey, this is what's the requirement to pass, pass, not, not necessarily a prize one, just to pass a dog in that, in that, in that organization, you're going to have an amazing hunting partner and companion, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, get, get it to that level, whether you test or not, that's completely upon you. That's, that's upon you and your situation and your, you know, how much gusto you got and, and fire you got in your grow and everything else. You know I mean? so, uh, well, and that's, yeah. how, that's how I got bit, you know, it's, that's how I was advised when I first started out and I went to the chapter and I had no idea which way was left and which way was right. And, you know, Norm advised me the same thing, exactly what you just said, train to the utility level test, whether you test or not, because I had zero interest in testing. And it literally, it was just, it, it just gave me a light to follow, just follow this path and you're yep. going to come out. And then eventually you get there and it's just like, well, why not test? Because my dog can go test right now. Uh, right. But it's also important to note that, that we're talking NAVDA. You mentioned the German system. This is whatever circuit or organization that you're involved in. It doesn't have to be NAVDA or the German, you know, I think all around hunting dog, those are your best deals, but there are some 
you know, AKC chapter members that they start their own little small training right. group. Obviously, they're more field focused, but they have retriever trials as well. And right. then, you know, would you say that the same thing is on the trial circuit as far as whether you're talking AKC or shoot to retrieve? What's your what's your opinion on that, on how it stacks up to a quote unquote finished dog? Oh, wow. I feel set up here. <laughs> <laughs> The, the hairs on my back and neck are tingling. Um, <laughs> Nobody's listening. You know, <laughs> some of that stuff, I think initially when those, when those programs were started um, and you look at when those programs were started and, and stuff like that, those programs were, were meant to kind of highlight and boast the best of the best dogs being bred at that time. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at AKC and you look at the field trial and there's a lot of um, nostalgia in a lot of that stuff. Also, oh, yeah. Tradition and, and how they and how they were doing it and why they were doing it at the time. I think a lot of stuff has lost sight of that, um, you know, in probably the last 20 or so years. There's my experience personally is there's. You can, you can hunt behind some good field trial dogs or some dogs that do well conducting field trials and then being able to take those dogs and go hunt. But in my experience, most field trial dogs have been bred, raised and trained to be like on the, on the edge of out of control and like way outside of what is, is considered normal hunting ranges and you know just just working really independently and for themselves and stuff like that and um you know you'll you'll see some of these dogs not that there's anything wrong with some of that i mean i've seen a lot of field trial dogs that do really really well out west really really well in certain key areas um but to me it's not a, a true test of a you know, a, a dog's ability to, you know, if you take that same dog and drop them on the ground in, you know, Michigan going to hunt grouse or, you know, I'll even say South Georgia, and, and, you know, because field trials are big in the southeast. So if you found a, a, a place where there's that holds wild quail, you know, it, it, putting those dogs on the ground, it. it you may, you will, you probably will shoot some birds over top of those dogs. But the, the opportunity to me is it, it's not enjoyable. It's not what I personally got into yeah. upland hunting and hunting with dogs is, you know. So And, and I think yeah. it's important to note that depending on the trial, the type of trial that you're doing, you know, like walking trials are completely different than horseback trials, right? That right. There, there are some differences and there's some preferences on how you want your dog to act just based on which trial system you're in and that you're wanting to do. Uh, but there is a type of hunting in each different scenario that you can utilize that dog in. But yeah. one thing to note that me and you've already mentioned is it's, it's, it's personal goals. Like you said, you personally, it's not as enjoyable to hunt behind those dogs. Those right. guys 
that like those the the controlled chaos dogs, right? That right. are just about to tip over the edge. The guys that are you know four or five hundred yards out, they don't enjoy hunting with our dogs. <laughs> you yeah. know, it, like, it, why, why is that dog underfoot? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Exactly. It's yards out. Yeah. Why yeah. is it un- it's not underfoot? <laughs> yep. And they're like, oh, that's too close. But I mean, we've also been in the field with people that you know that they may not even be in nabbed. Like they don't even want their pointing dogs getting out past thirty yards. Like yeah. it, it, it's, you know, at that point, it's just like, I look at that. I'm like, Hey, go get a flushing dog. But again, it's yeah. personal preference. And I think that's where a lot of people get caught up, especially talking about, you know, my dog's better than your dog, or you need to train to this level or this circuit's better than that circuit. You know, it's like, Hey, whatever floats your boat, find your, find your niche, find your group and yes. go have fun with the dog is really all that matters to me. Do something with it. Do yeah. something with the dog. You know, I mean, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah. You, you know, there's a lot of discussion is, is a high level tested dog and actual finished hunting dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you, you could throw the dart at the dartboard with this. Yeah. And, I mean, that's, that's one of those things where, uh, to me it's, it's more along the lines of, okay, are we, are we testing? testing a dog or, or teaching a dog a skill versus a, a, a task. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, go find it, stop, wait until I get there, you know, and it, let's call it what it is. You know, steadiness is steadiness. I don't care if you're at a field trial, at a NAVDA test, at a DK test, at anything. Steadiness is steadiness. Yeah. What is acceptable steadiness? Well, there's, there's a couple of phases of that. Steady until I get there. Steady until I flush the bird, steady until I shoot the bird, steady until the bird hits the ground and I send you. Mm-hmm. And all these organizations have varying um, requirements for that. What what are they looking for in, in a dog? And it goes back to like the beginning of the, you know, this podcast was, you know, what's your definition of a finished dog? You know, for a field trial or a finished dog is one that's going to hunt independently and be gone and, and hold a point until I get there with my four-wheeler or my, my horse. Yeah, You know, whether that's 10 minutes, 20 minutes or 50 minutes, you know, uh, when, when I get there, I don't care what the dog does. Once I get there, yeah. I just want it to stay there until I get there. Yep. You know, in NABDA, it's completely different. I want my dog to hunt and stop and point birds until I get there with, you know, anywhere's anywhere from six to 10 people. And we're all going to flush the bird and we're all going to shoot the bird and the bird's going to hit the ground. Then I'll release you to go get that bird. And go yeah. Get, you know what I mean? So, but I mean, steadiness is steadiness regardless, you know, it's whatever your acceptable level of steadiness is. And I think that goes for all of that, you know, yeah. honestly. No, it, it, it is true. Cause it's like you break down, you know, just again, stick with the theme here, the NAVDA utility test, whether it's the steadiness or the retrieving, the obedience. If you train the task, and like you said, you, you actually train the the task and the lesson, and you're not training for just the one skill. test. The, yeah, right, you're, the you're teaching the skill. Then you're going to have that dog that no matter which test ground you put down or put them down on and or which day or how long it's been, as long as they've been taught correctly, they're going to pass right. that test. Some days may be prettier than others. Some days may be uglier than others. But if they're taught 
the task, they're going to be fine wherever they're at. It's the people that, you know, let's face it, you get a, we have a lot of experienced people that have run a lot of these NAVDA tests and I'm, I'm seeing it more and more to, oh, it's okay if they do this because, you know, the judges are only looking for that or, you know, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the, the it's, it's tricky because it's like, yes, that's going to get you past the test, but that's also the dog that, you know, next spring after you test this fall, you're not going to be able to go run that utility test again because you're going to have to backtrack and teach it all over again. Well, and that's, that's, that's a great segue into this because I wanted to hit upon this because you said it two or three times and I corrected you once, but it, to me, when you're doing all of this, regardless if it's, if it's testing or, or, or training a dog to be your hunting dog or, or any of this, it's, it's vital that people, you, you teach a skill versus a task. So what is the definition of a skill versus a task, right? So to me, a skill is something that can be replicated anywhere. Yeah. In, in any environment, and the dog has a full understanding of it, regardless of time, regardless of situation, regardless of environment. A task to me is, and you know this because we're kind of both pretty heavy in NAVDA, and I've seen it in NAVDA, I've seen it in the DK system. You get individuals or groups of individuals that, you know, you go to the same testing or training grounds, you test, you train that dog in that area, in that specific task, in that one environment, in that situation, and then all of a sudden wonder why that dog can't perform at that level when you take it somewhere else to go hunting or mm-hmm. to go do something else or something like that. You know, I think that's where you see some of these dogs, you know, I, I've seen dogs. I've, I've seen dogs. I've had people bring me dogs that, you know, I've had people bring me dogs that are versatile champions and all of a sudden they're like, Hey, I'm, I'm looking at this AKC stuff now and I want to get a master hunt on my dog, but I can't get it steady to, to anything. And I'm like, Dude, you got a VC. How can <laughs> yeah. you not have a steady dog for for an AKC hunt test? Yep. And like, I don't know, man. We go out there and we work a brace, and he loses his mind. And this, this <laughs> you know, I'm they, like, they just drilled it for that one summer before the test. Yeah, in in very specific conditions and very specific yeah. environment and stuff like that. And I think that's a, that's a huge. I think that's a huge thing in NABDA where you see people that train. We had this discussion a couple of podcasts ago. I see you see a lot of people that train the test. Yes. Versus train what that skill is in each one of those events. So you could take a NABDA test and break it down. Literally, if you looked at the scorecard, exactly what the scorecard says you could look at that and train that skill versus let me train the test. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like when you look at, we'll say the field phase and steadiness, search is going to be search, pointing is going to be pointing. But when you look at steadiness, stay to flush, stay to wing, stay to shot, stay to fall. Well, that's a skill that yeah. that's, you know, and, and Getting a dog to do that, regardless of circumstance, builds that dog's like toolkit. Yeah. Per- perfect example. I mean, um, 
I'm testing next week in Ohio with a couple of dogs, a client, a couple of client dogs, and then Falco. Falco has not been on birds since hunting season last year. And on a whim, you know, I was like, yes, about two afternoons ago, I was like, well, let's, let's get him out. Let's put some quail out and let's just assess where he's at. And if I've got to clean something up, I'll try to clean it up before the test. He went six for six, like ran up, nailed point, and birds were running, birds were flushing, birds were shot, and that dog stood there like a statue because we took the time early on to teach him the skill. You know, yeah. scent, scent cone, feet stop. I don't move until somebody comes over and taps me on it. Yeah. Bottom line. You and, know. That, and that and that's your requirement and it, it's one of those it's gotten to where it's honestly i can probably say my biggest pet peeve now is when i go to a chapter's training day and you know again you're there you're drinking from a fire hose especially if you're brand new everybody's there trying to help it's all coming from a great spot but it never fails i, I would say i don't know eight or nine out of ten times if something happens and somebody's giving advice, they start off by saying on test day or during a test, the judge is going to see that. And it's just like, it's my biggest pet peeve to where it's just like, you know, when you're helping somebody out in the field and, and they're working on steadiness. Okay. There's a bunch of different ways that you can go about advising somebody on working steadiness. The majority of the time, it's going to be get out of the field and go into the short grass and teach the fundamentals yep. and, and the obedience and then come to the field. But it never fails. Majority of the time, somebody is going to say, well, on test day, and they're going to, get, they're going to give you a little shortcut on how to flush the bird or which angle to take. Or, you know, I've heard people here lately, and every judge I've talked to has said that they it's very obvious when a dog is trained this way, but training the dog to woe with the click of a shotgun closing. Yep. You know, it, it, it's yeah, like it's, it's basically clicker training. It, it is, it is. <laughs> and, and, and it's just like so many people they take so much time and effort to t teach or train a shortcut than it would have taken to just do the foundation stuff first. Yeah, just just teach a skill, man. Yeah, just teach a. You know, it, it's it, it's one of those things. It, much like you, it is a little bit of pet peeve with me too, because I mean. You know, we host a chapter out of our, our facility here and stuff, and it, nothing shapes my inner side more <laughs> than, like, and we're all about ready to get into it because probably by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be close to that time of season is, oh, birds are available. Uh-huh. And you'll, you'll have... I just want to run a test. <laughs> I just want to run a test, yeah, mock test. Literally. You'll have individuals come out in droves, droves, and they're buying three, four birds at a time. And the very first question you ask, and you're, and everybody's trying to help everybody, and it's like, all right, what are you working on today? Man, I'm working on settings. Cool. We put birds out, and the dog's not even natural ability level steady. Like, yeah. the dog's just going in on a straight takeout, and you're like, okay, what have you done to get ready for settings? Yeah. No, man, I just got to get my dog in, in front of as many birds as possible. To take away from the testing aspect of that, okay, 
there is an element of truth to that. It, 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 when, when you talk to individuals that have access to wild birds, how do we teach our dogs to be steady? And you'll hear a lot of pro trainers, Midwest, out West, and stuff like that, that talk about hunt your dog on wild birds. They're going to learn. They'll learn that the chase is not, you know, there's no value in the chase, that there's, you know, the opportunity presents itself when they stop and you can actually get up and, and shoot the game and then get that reward of recovery and, and stuff like that. Anywhere, I would say, east of Colorado, <laughs> okay, <laughs> mm. um, the opportunity to get your dog on that many birds, that number of birds, of wild birds to teach that dog how to be steady it, it, it's far and few between and, unless you've got like somebody that's got millions of dollars in their pocket and they're releasing thousands of quail <laughs> and, and on their property or release and stuff like that i mean that's just that's just the way life is now yeah well, where it, we live, how we hunt, I, I, and I think this is a trap that you see this on the glorious social media machine more than anything is you know people that just got started or they don't they don't know or they they don't have a good training partner or a good mentor or whatever they reach out on these Facebook groups right and they're like Facebook or Instagram yeah, yeah. and it's just like what do I do in this regard and it never fails you you have everybody giving their opinion like okay whatever yeah. but there's at least one at least one if not more that just get your dog on wild birds well, depending on where you're at, you don't have yep. that luxury. It's just like, you know, I travel for my birds every fall. Yep. You know this. Why? If I had to rely on wild birds down here in Tennessee, then I would never have a quality hunting dog. It's Well, I mean, and, and let, let's think about that for a minute. It, it kind of goes back to that definition of finished dog. I mean, I'm sure I've seen both your dogs, mm -hmm. Lucy and Rachel. I'm sure with minimal effort, both of those dogs, if you put the time and the effort in, in Tennessee and hunted, that there would be an opportunity that presented itself that you could kill game over those dogs. Well, yeah, I've done it. Yeah. Without any training at all, probably, I would say. Because genetics would kick in. Instincts would get kick in. You would probably, though, at the end of the season, me knowing you, Nick, would be like, "Man, I shot three woodcock over my dog this year. That was <laughs> that was cool." Yeah, but they flushed sixty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and that goes into another quality point to where how many times have you seen it to where people train year-round on these pen-raised birds, getting ready for a test just to go hunt and immediately everything that they worked their butts off all summer and teaching that dog, 
they just throw it out the freaking window. And I'm not talking about just like steadiness, right? You know, a lot of people, they train to that steady to release on a test, but then in actual hunting, they don't mind if it goes down to steady to shot. That's my preferred right. level of steadiness yeah, that, is, is and, break and on the me, shot. That's, that, that's me too. I yeah. mean, I'll let a dog get some slack. I mean, uh, the majority of hunters, that's, that's their preferred level of steadiness. But I'm, I'm referring to the people that, go out there and they work their butts off in a hundred degree heat all year long, developing this dog that passes a utility test or invitational. And they start shooting anything, whether the dog points it or not, if it bumps it, it's, it gets shot. If the dog doesn't even see it, it gets shot. It's like, they don't translate their goals through the summer and their test into their hunting. And then that's, I think that is where a lot of people, myself included, a lot of the time kind of ask, well, why did you spend all that time getting ready for the test unless it was just something to do with their dog during the off season, which I can understand that, I guess. You, you got to be humble with yourself and your hunting partner, man. Yeah. You got to be humble with yourself and their hunting partner. You know, I, I mean, let's, you, you got to be, you got to realize You know, there's an old saying about deer hunters, bird hunters, and stuff like that. And that is, you know, when I first started, if they all got to die, yeah. Like, like I had, I had a hatred towards birds, like somebody would towards terrorists or you know something like that. Like they yeah. all die. Yeah. You just if if I saw wings, it had to die. <laughs> and then you kind of mature. You know, you kind of get to that point where you're like, oh. You know, I, I really enjoy watching my dog do what's right. Yep. And then then you get to the point where, man, I don't even carry a gun. I just want a camera. You know what yep. I mean? I want a, I want that photo of my dog pointing that woodcock and, and that flush and everything else. And, you know, it, there is a little bit of maturity in that. And, and a lot of new guys, I mean, I can understand it because I was there myself, dude. I mean, you know, oh, nothing, nothing's guys, harder than watching a grouse fly away when you've been walking for two hours and not seen a thing. Right. It's, it's hard watching that bird fly away, but dude, the way, I, the way I explain it is you let that bird fly away so that your dog is ready to handle the next 10 or the bird yeah. next season that they, yeah. they come across. It's foregoing yeah. this one and preparation for the next 20. Here's here's the way I've got to look at it is you know what uh, I mean we're all going up north this year and hunting grouse and stuff good numbers this year from what I'm hearing you know it, there's no reason to get bird drunk going up north because I hunt down here in the southeast like you do as as much as anything else yep. so why am I going to reward my dog uh, on a flushed bird? or a bumped bird or something like that. When we come down here and hunt and like, you know, we've said multiple times our grouse season, you know, Eastern Tennessee, Western North Carolina is measured in flushes, not shot birds. Yes. You know, if you shoot a bird once every three years, that's a trophy bird. Like you need <laughs> to put that next, you need to put that next to your one fifty class Boone and Crockett. You got on the wall. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, why am I going to reinforce a behavior up north on grouse yep. that down here I would just literally be like, are you fucking kidding me? 
Are you kidding me right now? Why did you do that? Why? I was 10 steps away. Why couldn't you just hold steady long enough for me to get 10 steps closer, you know? Yep. <laughs> well, just- and, and I mean, honestly, down here, you won't see that bird is is yeah. the difference. Up north, you go yeah. up north, you – you forego that bird so that it learns how to handle birds correctly because down here there's so few and far between that these birds are flushing like i mean they're flushing as soon as they see or hear the dog and so if your right. dog is not trained up to that level you'll never even know that bird was there right I mean, right. I, I've been out or there. You'll, you'll know it as it goes down through the holler. Like you'll see yeah, glimpses yeah. of wings just going down through the. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and it's just, it's, it's hard to put in terms, but I mean, it's not just grouse, you know, that's what we're talking about a lot of the time, but it, it's quail also, you know, quail hunting in North Carolina or Georgia is different than quail hunting in Texas or Oklahoma It's completely yeah. different terrain, completely different, you know, temperature and just the the air quality is different on these dogs and so like if you if you're going out there and you haven't trained your dog to to the skills that it needs to translate over there it's not only changing terrain and running on sand and sandbirds as opposed to grass here it's also mentally trying to catch up because it's just going to be bumping coveys all freaking day long if you did not train the skill right yeah, and, and I, I mean, you know, I was up in Fort Campbell a couple of weeks ago and stuff like that, stopped mm-hmm. by the house, and, it, you know, I'm up in Campbell, and on the backside of the airfield, I'm getting ready to go out and do, you know, a, a marketing call, and I get out of the truck, and all I hear is, <whistles> like, literally 50 yards away in a, in a side field, and mm-hmm. it was it took me everything I had not to bust Falco out of that crate and be like, <laughs> let me go see if I can find these birds. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things about, yeah. I, I mean, the difference between, and I think this is what it boils down to, like the, the whole premise of this podcast, the finished dog versus a, unfinished dog or the finished dog ever really finished. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you, a lot of it goes into being honest with yourself and your expectations with the dog, being realistic with your goals, um, having, having some sort of finality and what your expectations are with that dog. Um, you know, most, most guys would be just fine with being, you know, bird drunk and, and roll into a place and, their dogs putting up birds and they're shooting birds and everything else. But, you know, I'll, I'll be here to tell you, I'll be the, the devil's advocate. I can't wait to hear the emails. <laughs> you know, it, that only works for a year or two, man. You know, I mean, there's only so many birds that you're going to shoot. And then you got to ask yourself, what what's the memory behind that bird? Yep. You know what I mean? What, why, why, and how is that bird important to me overall? Yeah. And, and to me personally, it, it's, it's that relationship, not just with the bird, but it's that relationship with the dog, the whole thing happened. I mean, when you were down here last fall and, and we went out woodcock hunting to see, you know, we, we hunted through a big section we came back and we were getting ready to load dogs and boom, the Muncie was on point. 
<laughs> you know, 20 yards off the road on point. Yep. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. And Falco, Falco's like, what's going on? What is it? Yep. I'm yelling at him, whoa, whoa. And he's, he finally he's like, he gets close to him. He's like, oh, oh, there's something here. And, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, us flushing and shooting that bird was just like, I was like, wow. That whole experience, I, I brought Nick to North Carolina. We hunted a couple areas. Yeah, we had some flushes, but, it, you know, it just didn't happen. And then all of a sudden, right there at the truck, it's yeah. like, wow. It's <laughs> we're unloading together. the guns and get get back in the truck. And we're, oh, yeah. Lucy's on point. All right. Yeah. And then Rachel, Rachel slammed it back, and then Falco came in. But, you know, it was his first hunting season last year. And you're sitting there yeah. like – and yeah. that that's a great point because you had trained the dog – whoa and then we go out in the field and you still had to address the whoa and that's oh, what yeah. i talk about is yeah. you know everything that you're working on in the backyard today should in some way shape or form be held to that standard in the hunting field and, yeah. and, and if if we're not doing that then you know all we're doing is just taking up time and, and having fun with our dogs doing the test stuff. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But again, it goes back to you being honest well, with yourself. Here, here's what it really boils down to. I did not want to deal with all of the ridicule and backlash from if Falco blew past Lucy and Rachel <laughs> and flushed that bird prematurely and we all missed and it was because my dog was an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but we all have those moments, right? Our, uh, oh, we, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we all have the homecoming queen at some point out in the field, right? You know, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but, you know, that's also why it's important to, you know, even during hunting season, don't let your training during the week fall off, right? You have right. certain maintenance things that you need to hit during the week. Even in between hunting sessions, you know, go out, whether it's conditioning, if you're hunting hard, really conditioning isn't going to be your thing that you're going to have to work on during the week, I guess, for the average person anyway. But, you know, go keep that obedience dressed up. How many times have we seen people by the end of hunting season, whether it's their steadiness falls off, their obedience falls off, their retrieve gets sloppy, their handoff is sloppy, just because you don't don't enforce it up to that level that you've trained to during the off season. I mean, there's, there's a level of me. I mean, all these dogs, you heard this at the, um, at the GDIA training clinic. And, and I, and this is an analogy I kind of stole from Mark Whalen and Chip Bondi is these dogs operate in, in, in black, white, and gray. Okay. Things that are black and white are, are hard truths, right? It's either black and white, just like we know it, just like the definition of it. it's either black and white, but then there's that area of, of shade of gray, you know, what, what can I get away with in between? And what we try to do is reduce that shade of gray as much as possible. And oftentimes what you'll see is a lot of individuals, like you said, going through season, going through whatever that gray exponentially starts getting bigger. Yeah, because these dogs like to operate. These dogs would prefer to operate in that shade of gray versus yeah. black and white. You know, it, so would we. I mean, in all honesty, if if somebody gave us, you know, if somebody said, "All right, here's your left foot limit, your right limit, and there's nothing in between," most individuals would be like, "Oh man, my job sucks," or <laughs> you know, "This is horrible," or "This and this and this." 
but then if your boss came and told you, hey, man, um, it's Monday. I need you to get X, Y, and Z done by Friday. I don't care what happens in between. You know, most people would be like, hell yeah. yeah. All right. I can do what I want. <laughs> but I will tell you, nine times out of ten, nothing is done by Friday. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> th- come Thursday night, they're like, crap. <laughs> we oh, didn't do son it. Son of a gun, man. I got yeah. this thing I got to do. I got to report. I got to pull this together. Yeah. I got to do that. Yep. Yeah. Dogs are no different, uh, in all honesty. I mean, not to humanize them or anything like that, but, I mean, it, dogs enjoy operating in, in in a lot of autonomy and, and that shade of gray and stuff like There's that. There's no parameters. That's really all they're yeah. looking for. Yeah, I mean, but it, at the end of the day, does that really facilitate our needs Yeah, and what we're trying to do and, and what we're trying to accomplish at the end of the day and stuff like that? And dogs, in all honesty, I mean, if you teach them the right way and they, they have a skill set and stuff like that, they're okay with black and white. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it, I mean, dogs aren't going to be doing out there. I mean, if you take your dog grouse hunting or you take them to a test and, and everything's in a positive light and, and you've done all your work and stuff like that, well, there's no dog at the end of the day of a test, regardless of the skill that's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I got I got a 134, no prize. My life sucks. No, they're just like, hey, Dad, cool. We is, had fun is today. Now? Is, it, is it dinner time now? Or yep. What are we doing tomorrow? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, and you got to think about that. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you dogs live very much in that moment, in that situation. And and, and we, we kind of have to, too, but we have to take uh, – a lot of ownership to that moment you know what yeah. i mean so well and, yeah. and, and and to me it goes back to we've said it a number of times already your own personal goals and what you're after and and to kind of piggyback off what you're talking about earlier the four stages of hunting right you go from quantity to quality to doing it for somebody else which can include your yeah. dog to just being happy that you're out there right and, yeah. and so it's just like we all kind of grow as hunters but you have to be honest with yourself and, and what you're after because you know to me I deer hunt. I don't particularly, I'm not going to say that it's the most fun thing in the world to do. I get that adrenaline rush. I appreciate it for what it is. I enjoy it, but I do that to fill the freezer. I'm not filling a freezer, especially down here in Tennessee with upland birds. I'm not filling the freezer in middle Tennessee with ducks. I'm out there for the experience with my dog. I, I prize that dog work higher than anything else when I'm out there. So I'm personally going to be a stickler. I've hunted with numerous people that think they're that way because they've been training all summer and then they get out there and they're like, Hey, I'm still in that, you know, I just want to shoot them up stage. Cool. Go have fun. We're just not doing it with my dogs. (laughs) I mean, let's be realistic. Probably I'm going to go on a limb, more emails coming. Probably (laughs) 98 to 99%, if not more of of the individuals that are going out there to hunt either ducks or uplands or something along those lines, they're not doing it for sustenance. No. They're not doing it because (laughs) their current situation in life and they want I'm hungry. Yeah, exactly. Or something (laughs) along those lines. You know? So they're they should be thinking about it more about the experience and, and what they're trying to do and stuff like that. And you know what? If if you're 
if your experience is, dude, I want to kill as many mallards as I can freaking kill legally in a in a twenty four hour period. Okay, cool. That's that that's what you want to do, but you can't expect if you're doing something along those lines, then you really need to be again humble with yourself, honest with yourself, and not be like, okay, I got a dog. I've got a meat dog. It's putting birds up. I'm putting birds on the ground, but then don't expect to take that dog and within 90 days and go run, you know, a high level test somewhere and be like, yeah. why is my dog not a prize one and be disgruntled about it. Yep. I've seen so many people that are like, man, I've killed thousands of birds over this dog. Okay, cool. But you got a two in steadiness. Yeah. That, that's bullshit. You know, the <laughs> duck, I'm like, Dude, well, how do you hunt? Yeah, <laughs> you know. So yep. no, it, yeah, no, it's one of those things, and I, I guess we kind of went went down a, a couple different paths throughout this episode. But ultimately, what we're trying to convey is like we're training these dogs year in year out based on our goals and our preferences. One day, we're we're always after that finished dog, that perfect dog, yep. right? We're never gonna get there especially Never. if you don't keep in mind your goals during hunting season, just because you're, you're not planning that bird out there. Don't change your goals and lose sight of the end result just because you're out there and you're faced with some tail feathers flying away from you. Right. It's, it's uh, hard. Brother, I've got to, I've got to give a lot of credit and I'll give a little bit of a shout out. You met him at the GDIY clinic, but preacher bill, yeah, bill Knapp. He's out West right now running his dog oh he's uh, been sending me videos <laughs> yeah prairie chickens and everything else and it, it and he is literally he's probably going to need like falsies or dentures when he gets back because he's been <laughs> grinding his teeth because of you know ivan's been doing okay but he hasn't been doing great and he's just like you told me not to shoot the birds that he doesn't handle correctly, but I could have killed all six of these. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But, but that's the difference between a dog that, you know, hits its max at a year, year and a half old, because that's yep. going to be the level that it hunts and, and is trained to its whole life. Or you, yep. you forego a few birds this season and come next yep. season, it's standing for birds I mean, and, and it's just, it's the experience. It's the stuff that we all dream about when we go in and get a pointing dog, right? I don't think right. there's a single one of us out there that, hey, I want to get a pointing dog. And they envision hunting with that dog while it's kicking up birds in front of you just out of reach. You right. know, that that, yeah. that that never plays a part in the decision. If that does, then what you're describing is a flushing dog. And flushing dogs are a lot of fun. Look into them. Go hunt with them, <laughs> but it. But you don't have to worry about the standing for birds. There's a reason why flushing dogs are there. <laughs> but I will. I will take that back though, because there is a huge element with flushing dogs mm -hmm. that includes steadiness. Yes, it just happens to be after the flush. Yes. So a flushing dog it w should and and you know ultimately be able to once that bird once that dog identifies the bird and puts the bird into the air mm -hmm. that dog should stop moving yep and and either put his butt on the ground or stand there and watch that bird fly away until it is shot and killed so there there's a huge element even in a flushing dog yep. that includes steadiness 
there is. And ultimately, that's what we're all after here. Whether whether you literally want to do nothing but shoot to retrieve trials, whether you're doing AKC hunt tests, nav to test, German tests, no matter what it is, just stick to your goals. Stick to your guns. Have the discipline to go yeah. go all the way, whatever that is. It could be a meat dog or it could be a test dog. Some of the best hunting dogs I've ever seen were just meat dogs. They just never yeah. they just never went into the testing circuit. So you know, I've seen some of the best testing dogs go out there in the hunting field and get skunked just because yeah. again, it was trained for a test and not the skill. So right. it, no matter what, what we're saying is we're not knocking anybody. We're not saying anybody is better than the other. It's just keep your goals in mind, whether it's the start of a training season or the start of a hunting season, and always have that at the front of your mind when you're going out on a hunting walk. When you go yeah. out there, keep it in mind. Absolutely. I mean, we're getting ready to, I mean, we're getting ready to start hunting season. That's you know, why we're talking season. about this. Yep. Dub season will be in in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, well, by the North time Carolina. this comes out, it's pretty much, I think it is dove season. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, um, you know, exactly what you said. It doesn't matter. HRC retrievers, um, AKC retrievers, um, you know, some of the best duck dogs in the world, never went to a field trial yep right never went to a retriever trial some of the best you know bird dogs in the world never went to a navda invitational um it, it, it but those people were honest with what they were expecting of that dog you know all the way through and you know when it comes down to the finished dog ever finished i don't think so uh, i personally i think you know, a finished dog is finished when that dog is aged out and that dog looks at you and says, hey, brother, I can't do that. That's my definition of a finished dog. Yep. You're done, brother. You yep. did everything I asked you to do. You've done everything. Now you've been retired to the couch and you're <laughs> finished. Yep. You're done. You know what I mean? It, there's everything that you should always try to improve upon stuff with with what you're doing and teach that dog an additional skill to teach that dog a different you know uh, in a different segment or something along those lines um you know it, it, it we're in a pretty unique group of individuals when you think about it i mean uh, i don't know what the bird dog community makes up general populace of the, of the, of the country but it's growing mm -hmm. obviously especially with uh, COVID and stuff like that. There's, we've talked about this a couple times on the podcast, COVID dogs, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there's a surge in sporting breeds out there in the world right now. And so if anybody's listening to this, that's, you know, recently purchased a dog, <laughs> ask yourself why, you know, more than just, you need a, a zoom buddy, you know, you do zoom meetings. I need somebody on the couch or the chair next to me while I'm doing this, yep. you know, it, why you got involved in this and, and, and set those goals and set those aspirations. You know, I was lucky enough to train with, you know, I kind of call her my poster child, if you will. Uh, I, I, we were training in duck search this morning and, and Terry Ann was, was there uh, from our chapter. And when you talk about a poster child of somebody that got a sporting breed and has gone all in, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I mean, to watch the development of her and Zara from <laughs> when she shows up with this dog and gets it out of this little 
Prius-type car and the dogs wearing a fleece sweater and everything else <laughs> to, like, today, like, we go to the duck search area and she lets her out of the, the car to go run around and exercise before we get ready to go do the duck, duck search. And Terry Ann turns around and like, where's Zara? Where's Zara? <laughs> and Zara's 150 yards out into the duck search area. Already looking, looking for ducks. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just that's what you got to ask yourself for. Why yeah. are you doing this? You know, yeah. and, and just just be realistic with it, man. You know, yeah. and the whole thing with listening to people at NAVDA, listening to people at an AKC hunt test or HRC hunt test, and man, if you're going to test that dog, you need to do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. No, man, train your dog a skill. You know, think about what you're trying to do. Train your dog a skill. You know, skills are, you know, there's the obedience side, force fetch, force fetch. What do I want my dog to do? I want my dog to go out X amount of distance, pick up something valuable, bring it back. I want to be able to stop my dog at an X amount of distance and send it left or right. And that's just, I mean, those are HRC tasks, tasks, but teach a dog a skill, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with it. And, and with that being said that, you know, I've been saying it the past few weeks that this is kind of the transition over into more hunting topics. I want to start getting into traveling and hunting, whether it's specific, uh, species or just some hunting stories and how it relates to dogs, because I I feel like a a big piece of this obviously is the training talk that we do on this podcast, but why do we train? We train to hunt. That's that's yeah. what we got into this for. I personally could go the rest of my life without testing again. Do I yep. enjoy it? Yes. But if there's no testing tomorrow, I'm still going hunting with my dogs. If there's no hunting, yeah. I'm not testing. <laughs> right. And, and you yeah. know, there's some p- other people that are the exact opposite of me. But that's why I wanted to have you on and... and you know, don't feel like just because you don't have that quote unquote finished dog that everybody talks about that you can't go have a fun, successful hunting season season yeah. with your dogs. And if all you can get out is a couple times this season, get out. It beats yeah. not. It beats sitting on the couch. Get out with your dog. Remember why you got your dog. And just remember he wants to get out just as much as you. So just yeah. go out and have fun. And- you know, don't, you know, think about it like we were talking about, about the experience as a whole, you know. Um, most people, would you find yourself in the middle of the Big Saw National Forest chasing, you know, grouse if you didn't have a dog? Yep, you exactly. And, and and even if your dog flushes that one bird, you don't get a shot at it, and you look at yourself and say, man, I could have killed that grouse. But think about it. You've got a story now, you know what I mean? Yep. you got a story about, man— now I got to go home. It, and actually, <laughs> most people, most people, it, it'll it'll light a little it'll fire. Haunt them. It'll haunt them. Yeah, it'll put a passion in them. They'll be like, "Man, my dog busted three grouse this year." Yep. I got to work on some steadiness. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Well, Scott, I appreciate it as always. We'll have you back on again somewhere oh, down the look, future. Looking forward to it. Yep. Looking forward to it.
Picture this. You just finished a long day's hunt, or a long day in the training field grooming your next champion. You run through your entire string of dogs in anticipation for the next fall. You think the day's over. It's not, though. Your day's not over until you let that ugly dog hunt. No hunting or training session is complete without capping it off with one of the spirits from Ugly Dog Distillery. They're Michigan-raised and purebred handcrafted spirits. They have everything you need from vodka and gin to your more traditional after-hunt choice Kentucky bourbon. Head on over to UglyDogDistillery.com to check availability within your state. And if you have an upcoming event that's alcohol-friendly, then be sure to reach out to us and see if we can add another Ugly Dog to the lineup. We'll tell you right now, we aren't much on flavored whiskeys, but you have to try their peanut butter whiskey. Unlike other peanut butter whiskeys out there, Ugly Dogs is made with real Kentucky bourbon and not just grain alcohol with syrup. So after your next hunt or a long day of testing and you're trying to decide what to drink, reach for the bottle with Ruger, the German wire hair pointer on it. It was handcrafted by people just like us. Dog people. Every adventure starts somewhere. Make sure yours includes an ugly dog at your side. Explore responsibly. All right, Harry, what do you think? Is there such thing as a quote-unquote finished dog? I don't know that there is. Um, That's what I I really like this episode just because of that topic alone. It's pretty interesting to listen to because... It's something you always say, oh, is that a finished dog or is that a starter dog? If you get like, like my dog, for example, was an older dog when I bought her. And that was a question. Oh, is it a finished dog? And I was like, no. But also it's kind of, it goes into that question way more. Like what is a finished dog? And Mm -hmm. looking at it at the uh, NABDA standards and hunting standards, completely different. Um, But I did enjoy, you know, Scott kind of talking about, you know, if you train, if you have a UT passing dog then that is probably you know quote unquote a finished dog and that yep. that to me that makes sense but it's like you guys also followed that up with you know they can kind of you have to like maintain that too right it, with training it's there's not like con- it's just there's context stay. to everything right you know it, it's just like you can't just slap a label and it applies to every dog there's more context to it and you know the word that i hate i think it's overused the nuance Right. It's, but, but it really does factor into this to where it's like, okay, you have a prize three utility dog. Yes. At face value, based on what, what the tasks are in the test and what the objectives are in the test. If that dog passes, then that should be a quality hunting dog for the average person. That's all they should need. And, you know, Pete uh, Aplikowski up in Minnesota, we've done an episode on a UPT dog is really by definition on you know what they actually look for on the test is really what all the average person truly needs but that's assuming that the training was done with the actual purpose behind it right and it wasn't people just training the shortcuts to pass a test and so you know that there's a little bit of context there to where it's like yes you have that prize three or prize one, whatever utility dog or UPT dog. Yes, it should be a quote unquote finished dog for the average person, but that obviously depends on how they were trained as well as that person's goals long term for the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just, it means different things to different people, but it's kind of a cool thing to hear every now and then because it's like for me i've never tested and i don't know that i will test but to me i feel like i would still say my dog's a finished dog um i guess right now but i, I don't know i mean i guess i don't have that standard well, to put let, it to, but it, well let me know. ask you you're training your dog right now on on a mm-hmm. couple different things this summer alone 
you've been working on steadiness with your dog, which you're still, she's pretty much there, but you've, you're you're still working on that. But then you're also still trying to wrap up force fetch. Mm -hmm. So just by you right now, having things to work on with your dog and improved, I would say I, I would, with that in mind, would you still say she's a finished dog? I, to me, I mean, for me, I guess, yes, because I think for me, the force fetch, the going into the water, getting the duck thing, that's all like kind of extra for me. It's just like just getting her potential out of her. It's not necessarily utility for me, but it's something to fill some time with. And, you know, maybe one day will be utility, Yeah, I guess. But So I mean, based on your goals and your preferences, you're saying for what you just look for in a dog, She's finished. You have that. You can go yeah. out there and be happy with what she's at now. You're just doing something just because you can, and it's like she has the mm-hmm. potential and the no, like you have the know-how. So it's like, well, oh, screw it. Let's go do it. Let's go knock it out. And so, th- by your definition or your in, in your eyes, she's a finished dog. You're just seeing what you can go do on top of that. Uh, me, I, I kind of come from the camp, and I can't even remember if I said this on the episode or not. So if I did, forgive me. But I kind of come from the camp that there's never a finished dog. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's a never fit. It's a, the job is never done. Even, even if I train all the way on everything that I want to teach my dog, there's still maintenance, you know, right. It, is, yeah. is you doing, is your vehicle maintenance ever completely done? Like, do you have a finished vehicle? No, you still got to change the oil. You still got to put gas in it. You got to go wash it, right? You got to church it up a little bit. And so that's kind of my viewpoint is, is me. It's like, Rachel, I can go out there and she's my, you know, my confidence dog. If I need to put a dog on the ground to go, let's go find a bird. Let's go shoot a bird. I'm putting her on the ground. Lucy's still my work in progress. But with that being said, there's still a number of things that I look at Rachel. I'm like, we, we have... We have more ground to cover. We're not done yet. Oh yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, she's agree. also on that tail end slide. You know, she's already she's already hit that prime and coming back down. So it's just like, well, should I just go ahead and call her a finished dog and just maintain what we have, or do I keep trying to take that next step? And you know, is it is it even worth it? And so like a lot of this is really just semantics, and we're just we're playing off words and what everybody like. D- you know, define something different, but it's still, this is a fun topic. I love talking about this because this is what you talk about with your guys at, with, at hunting camp, right? At at the tailgate, Mm -hmm. it's like, let's just BS and argue with everybody (laughs) on, on, (laughs) you know, our personal preferences and goals. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with all that. Like that's what I, that's what I took away from it. What Scott said and you guys followed up with was, you know, even if it has these prizes, like they're still going to be, they're not going to necessarily, you got to not going to retain it all the time. You always got to main, maintain that kind of stuff. And that's the same thing with my dog. You know, I definitely see that. Like, even if somehow she passed a test and got, you know, X prize or whatever, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you still got to maintain it. You know, yeah. just, it's just part of dog training. Well, and so it, I, I, I agree. I get the idea of it's, well, it's never finished. So, but I think as far as, Okay, they've learned all the skills. They know the skills. They know better, right? Yeah. Maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it, it's all on how you define the word, really. I mean, we could have summed mm-hmm. this entire episode on up in like within 30 seconds. It's like, all right, know your goals. Know your definition of a quote-unquote finished dog. 
and then be sure to train the skill and not the objective and then wrapped up the episode but then you know what fun would that be (laughs) Mm -hmm. right yeah um but yeah that's pretty much all i got i think yeah uh, what else you got for housekeeping this week uh well, you know, we we mentioned we, had, we got a few follow-up questions last week when we brought up the merchandise. We have uh, mm. shirts are here now. Uh, hats are supposed to be here, like, tomorrow, I think. Uh, so it's one of those we were trying to get the shop up on the website before this episode came out. Uh and it may go up today. It's we're just waiting on all the all the stuff to get here, right? And so as soon as that the hats arrive, then we'll have it up on the website, and then all you GDIY junkies can go out and and buy your shirts and hats. But uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, you know, again, like we said, we're we're gonna throw in if you're a Patreon member. Uh, Depending on the tiers that we have set up, you'll get a discount based on uh, being a Patreon patron. And then also military and uh, police officers and service people, we're, uh, we're going to give you a discount as well. So uh, we don't know how we're going to do that. We're setting up the shop now online. So hopefully we have a streamlined way of doing it. But if you if you are a Patreon patron on, on the specific tier that we decide... And then also a first responder. If you're going to buy a shirt, make sure to, uh, if it's not calculating right, to get with us first before you buy it because we want to make sure that you're you're taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, we had a good time on the uh, Zoom room with Angie. Yeah. Now, that was, it was a learning curve, right? We knew going in... Uh, Angie was nice enough to agree to be the guinea pig and we had a, a really good showing I thought for our first zoom room uh, got some good feedback from people saying they really enjoyed it and, and thought it was great uh, you know a couple hiccups a couple things that we know that we can improve on on the structure of it and we already have a, another guest lined up for next month uh, to be announced but she's going to be a great one and so uh, again you know I think I think the way we did it the other day, just for right now, having it for Patreon patrons, it kind of lets us control the amount of people on there a little bit easier. Uh, we're going to keep it that way for now. Uh, but I'm 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 excited to see where that goes because I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. We had some really good conversation. And uh, thanks for everybody that participated and joined in. And, uh, you know, look forward to, to future guests and, and knocking out a few more as we move along. Totally. Yeah, I think it's a it was a lot of fun and I got a lot out of it just because it seemed like to extend the episode really in some ways and, and yep. apply it more to your situation. So yep. um yeah, just become a Patreon and that kind of stuff opens up to you and Yeah. Absolutely. And uh another reason to join Patreon, you know, normally we don't hit on Patreon as much as we have here lately, but we got a lot of things in the works right now. Uh speaking of which, another reason for to join Patreon here soon is we have a new sponsor to discuss, Harry. Um uh, try it. You you want to do the big announcement? What do we have? Well, Scout and Hunt. Scout and Hunt Maps with Ann Jandernaw. Uh, she reached out a little bit ago, and I'm excited to work with her because she, you know, we've all used different mapping softwares, and each one kind of has its pros and cons. And uh, Ann has something that none of the other 
people have in terms of being able to look at different cuts in upland habitat and break out the difference between upland and lowland habitat and surrounding areas based on the type of habitat in a lot of states. Not all states, but a lot of her states, if you actually click on the cut, it'll tell you what type of cut or cover it is. So you're you're actually getting the best knowledge of like what a piece of cover or or uh, habitat is without putting boots on the ground. So that comes in handy when you're going out of state to hunt or even in our uh, neck of the woods where we have to go four or five hours east in Tennessee to get into Unicorn Mountain Range, right? And uh, so I'm excited to work with Ann and learn more about the the app that she has right now because there there's a lot of good benefits and and she has generously offered up a discount code for our listeners and then the Patreon listeners will get even more. So um, be on the lookout to hear more in coming episodes about that. But you know, welcome Scout and Hunt Maps aboard, and I'm excited to uh, work with her. Me too. It's going to be awesome. Um, can't wait to, I've got to use very little at your house, but I'm excited to kind of use it this season, I guess, whenever we uh, do some of these trips and put it to use versus just kind of around here, you know, it's, yep. well, it's a, yeah. it's a little different mapping system, right? And so there's, it, it handles a little different, like the way you drive on it on the phone and, and to get to the areas that you want. So there's there's a few tricks that you learn as as you use it more. So if you're interested in it, you know, feel free to to hit me up, hit us up, uh, shoot us an email, and we'll we'll try and you know walk you through it the best way we can, and uh, just try and uh, kind of ease the transition because it, it is a little different than just firing up, you know, the other maps software the you know onyx or something like that on your phone it is a little bit different of a process but uh it's it's a lot of really good information and uh stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else uh that's going to help you out on your trip right right (laughs) well um that being said i guess you you ready for a review of the week i don't know are you gonna bring a little bit more excitement my way like you you just seem a little (laughs) just like uh (laughs) like yeah man let's let's do it It sounds good all right yeah let's let's read a review i want to hear a little bit more excitement especially the review like you gotta you gotta really bring the passion and thank the listener for taking the time out of their day and writing kind words about the podcast (laughs) you just did it man you just set it up perfectly i don't even have to now but yes, I mean, sir, it does amaze me reading these. Like even before I was working with the podcast, I used to go back and read these and be like, "Holy, it's just like pretty crazy how many people like reach out and leave a good review and like really enjoy you talking." It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they enjoy me talking, but they do. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it really means a lot. I mean, I love we read all of them, so uh, I I wish we could read all of them on air, but we're not going to do that to everybody. Just do one a week and and say mm-hmm. thank you. And if we read your review, then hit us up and we'll we'll fire a sticker your way and uh, just a small token of gratitude for for the five minutes that it takes for you to leave a review. Mm-hmm. So, what do you got for us this week? Hit us with it. All right. This is from Travis Wyman. It says, Between this podcast and Big Honker Podcast, I rarely ever listen to music. These podcasts help me get through the work. I find the podcast very interesting and informative. Keep up the good work. 
I have a Rescue Blue Healer slash GSP mix that hunts waterfowl with me in Virginia. Nice. A, a Blue Healer and a GSP mix hunting waterfowl, huh? Yeah, I saw that and I, I was like, that's pretty cool. And, and my sister is a big uh, Blue Healer advocate and has had a couple of those. So it's interesting to see one of those mixed up and hunting. I'd like to see that maybe. Oh, so, no, I mean, it, cool. it's always fun watching people get out there with lesser known breeds. You know, anybody that listens mm-hmm. to us, they know that we're advocates for proper breeding practices right and and keeping keeping the the lines and genetics uh true and meeting standards but you know there there's a lot of mixes out there and rescues and there's uh, people that they're successful with those dogs you know don't think that just because you don't have one of those uh you know high level pedigree dogs that you can't do this uh will your life be a little easier and will the starting point be a little bit better? Absolutely, if if you go that route. But you know, hey, I've we've done a few episodes with a number of people and and rescues and mixes that get get the job done right. And so it's a it's just another testament. Get out there and have fun with your dog, man. Go chase those ducks with your blue healer if you want to. Go have at <laughs> it, man. It's uh, who was it? There was somebody we were talking to a couple weeks ago that duck hunts with a German Shepherd. And and then uh, I think there's that guy in Oklahoma that uh, takes its wiener dog out there quail hunting. You can see on yeah. YouTube. It's uh, people do some crazy stuff with their dogs, man. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. That's that's part partly what, when I saw that I was like, I got to read this because this is this is kind of <laughs> what we're all about here, man. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, Travis, hit us up. Get us get a sticker. Uh, is there anything else to touch on, Harold? I think we kind of covered it all already. Yeah, I feel good about it. So, <laughs> good good on the, you. Ready for the next episode. Yep, so, absolutely. Well, ready for hunting season. Dude, it's it's right there. Just a few weeks and I'm headed headed up there. I'm South mm-hmm. Dakota man. We're we're gonna go knock it out and have some fun, try and snag some sharps and uh prairie chickens, but we'll touch more on that later. We'll let everybody go. Again, thanks for everybody tuning in, listening, uh and supporting us and all the different ways that you are right now so uh we wouldn't be here if it weren't for you guys and and thanks for your time and as always we'll see you next week see you thank you for listening to gdiy if you enjoy this podcast please remember to take a moment to rate review and share with a friend also be sure to follow us and our partners on facebook and instagram under gundog it yourself If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup just after replace it again in a year. Go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want. If you're considering changing your dog's food soon, then be sure to check out Yukonuba Pro Performance. 
Their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance. They also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active. When looking at all the different food options, remember Yukonuba to help power their ultimate performance. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.